If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And I want to just read one verse together. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, verse 1. We read this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. I want to read that in a couple other versions. This is in the ESV. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And the NIV puts it this way, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Now, I've told you many, many times that that word hope in the Bible is very different from the way that we view the word hope. Because we tend to treat that word hope as more of a wish. You know, we say things like, man, I hope I get a raise this year. But we have no assurance that that's going to happen, but it's more of a wish. It's more of a desire. Or, you know, some of you Padre fans, you're like, man, I hope the Padres make it to the World Series. And you know that that is a very fainting wish that probably isn't going to happen unless all of baseball collapses or something in the second half of the season. You know, young, you young people, maybe you, you know, some of you young girls, you know, like you're, you're hoping you say, I hope that that cute guy asks me out, but, but it's a wish. It's something, you know, there's no assurance in other words, but the biblical definition of the word hope is an absolute expectation of coming good. In other words, it's something that you can count on. It's something that you can bank on. It's a, a promise that you can base everything on. And over the last few months, the word that the Lord has been putting upon my heart for our fellowship is the word expectancy. Expectancy. That the Lord wants us to come to him and pursue him with hearts that are full of expectancy. Now listen, not because we are entitled or deserving of, of God doing anything in our lives, because we're not. But purely because he's a good, good father. That we would come to him with that heart of expectancy, knowing that he is a father who loves his children. Remember when Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 7, and he said this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door is open. And then he, he puts it all together in this way when he says, for which of you sons, or which of you, if your son asks for bread, that you're going to give him a stone? Any dads here, please don't raise your hand. If your son were to say, hey, dad, can I have a, you know, can I have a piece of bread or can we go to in and out that you're going to give him a rock? You know, I, I doubt it. I don't think so. Um, he says, you know, if he asks for a fish, are you going to give him a snake? No, it's a rhetorical question. And then he says this, if you then, 
Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? Jesus says, look, if you guys, being evil, and we know men in the room that, you know, if we, at the core of who we are, you know, the the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, that, that at the core of who we are, like I've said before, Jesus is the best thing about every single one of us, that without Jesus, I mean, we're, we're a mess. You being evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask of him? Now note this, when Jesus says that we're to ask and we're to seek and we're to knock, that the, the way that that is put in the Greek is, is that we're to keep on asking, keep on knocking keep on seeking. In other words, it's not like God's the genie in the bottle that whatever you ask of him, the moment that you, you know, say the magic right words in Jesus name that, you know, he, he grants that. No, there's this aspect in our prayer life where God's saying, you know, no, you, you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you, you keep on coming to me. In other words, he might not answer right away, but he's going to answer because that's his nature. That's his heart. And the Bible is full of verses that encourage us to come to God with expectancy. I'll give you another example. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verses 14 through 16, it says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, speaking of Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. For that reason, because we have this high priest, here's the expectancy. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. God says, I want you to come into my throne room expecting grace, expecting mercy, expecting help in your time of need. Come expectantly knowing and believing that we're going to receive what we need from our Father who loves us. Max Lucado said this, I love this, you are never without hope because you are never without prayer. Isn't that good? You are never without hope because you are never without prayer. Our God is the God who hears. He always hears. But I sense, and this was something God put on my heart, that there would be some of you here tonight that have sort of lost hope. But your good, good father tonight is saying to you, hope in me. And keep coming to me. And keep asking of me. And keep approaching my throne room. Because even though you can't see what I'm doing right now, I am doing. I'm working. He's already working. He's already moving. He's already working on your, you can't see it, but he's already working on your behalf. And he wants us to come to him with this expectancy, believing that he is a big God who loves us, that he's a good, good father. Consider Elijah. 
Elijah lived in a very dark time in Israel's history. It was a time when the nation and its king, um, Ahab, had been worshiping the god Baal, the false god, Baal. And Elijah called for a showdown there on Mount Carmel. He said, let's get all the prophets of Baal together and let's see who the real God is. May the real God stand up. And he issued this challenge that they would put forth these altars and that the the real God would demonstrate who he was and demonstrate his power by bringing fire down upon the altars. And the 450 prophets of Baal were like, okay, great. Yeah, let's do that. That sounds awesome. And so Elijah says, you guys can go first. And they spent like all day. And they're chanting and dancing and praying and, you know, doing all this stuff, trying to get Baal's attention. You know, they even get to the point where, you know, they start cutting themselves, thinking that if we inflict pain on ourselves, maybe that'll cause him to, you know, act on our behalf. And Elijah's just, he's just having fun with all this. He starts taunting them. Read it. And and I think it's 1 Kings 22. He's like, you know, maybe your God's on vacation. You know, maybe you should yell yell a little louder. He can't hear you because he's skiing somewhere, you know. Uh, Just, you know, you got to yell louder. And he even gets to the point where in the Hebrew text it says this. Maybe he's in the bathroom, you know, taking care of business, you know. And, and, And that's why he can't hear you. Seriously, that's what it says. That's the context. And after they go all day long, they just wear themselves out. Then Elijah says, okay, now it's my turn. And he actually has the people of Israel dig a moat around his altar. So they dig this giant trench around the altar. And he says, now pour water on the sacrifice until the moat, until the trench fills up with water. So they're, they're dousing this thing, you know, just water after water after water and just filling up this trench. And then Elijah says, okay, Lord, do your thing. And he prays with confidence and expectancy. And God answered in a big time way. Fire comes down from heaven, devours the sacrifice, dries up the moat of all the water. And the people of Israel go, you know, praise God, Jehovah's the God, and they kill all the 450 prophets of Baal. It's a glorious story. And uh, <laughs> love those kind of stories when people die, <laughs> when the bad guys die, you know. But, um, but why do I bring this up? You know, we might think, well, Elijah, man, he was a Christian superman. The prophet of God. That's not me. I'm not like him. Listen, nine centuries later, James, writing in his epistle, uses Elijah as a model for us. I'm going to read to you from James chapter 5. This is in the New Century version. I love the way it puts it. When a believing person prays, great things happen. When a believing person prays, great things happen. And then he says this, Elijah was a human being just like us, just like us. And yet he prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And then Elijah prayed again 
And the rain came down from the sky, and the land produced crops again. So he refers to a different time in Elijah's life, in, in his prayer life. But, but the point being, he says, look, Elijah's no different from you. He's just like you. And you read Elijah's story, and he lacks faith just like us. You know, he runs from the enemy just like us. He wasn't this superhuman dude. He was just like us. But he prayed big prayers, and he believed in a big God. I like what the author Mark Batterson said. He says, if we don't pray impossible prayers, we're insulting God. And I think there's, there's some truth to that. You know, it's like, hey, God, he's a great and awesome God. And the thing that I want us to hear tonight and catch tonight is this, that God delights in hearing our prayers. And you might say, well, why? Why does he delight in hearing my, my prayer? Why, why do my prayers matter? Why would God listen to my prayers? Why would he listen to my ideas? Listen, your prayers matter to God because you matter to God. It's that simple. You matter to God. You're not a nobody. You're his child. And you became his child because he sent his son, Jesus, from heaven, his only begotten son, to come down to this earth to die on a cross, to pay the price for our sins so that we could know him and live in relationship with him and go from being his enemies to being his kids. He did that for us. And he loves you and he is for you. And when you pray, God responds. Now, it might not be the way that, that you want him to respond, but his way is best. And I believe that God wants us to come expectantly tonight. As we approach him. And I want to close by reading to you what James wrote right before he uses Elijah as this illustration there in the book of James. He, he said this, are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, they will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And then he tells us about Elijah as his example. But notice how he, what he says there. Are any of you suffering hardship? I won't ask for a show of hands, but I bet you there's a whole bunch of you here tonight that, man, it's been a rough day. It's been a horrible week. It's been a crazy month. It's been a lousy year. And you're suffering hardship tonight. The Lord says, come to me. Pray to me. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. We're going to worship in just a few minutes. And those of you who are happy, man... Let's praise God. Let's worship him. Let's sing to him. Are any of you sick? 
The elders and our pastors are going to be standing in the back by the communion tables available to lay hands on you and pray for you that you might get healed tonight. And we want to pray with expectancy that God is going to touch you and he's going to heal you. Now, if he doesn't touch you and heal you tonight, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking until he maybe says, you know what? My plan isn't to heal you, like he said to Paul. But my, my plan is, is that, that you will discover how my grace is sufficient in your weakness and my power is made perfect when you are weak. And I'm going to be, you know, my, show my power in the midst of your suffering and in your difficulty. He might say it, but until he does, keep praying, keep seeking him. keep not, Lord, I want you to touch me. I want you to heal me. I want you to deliver me. You see, part of the reason why our good, good father doesn't answer our prayers right away because he wants us to come to him. He wants us to keep coming to him because the point of all of this is intimacy with the father. So sometimes he's like, hey, if I answered that prayer right away, Rob, I know you. You, you wouldn't talk to me for three months. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prolong this a little bit. Because I'm wanting to do something in your heart that involves you and your relationship with me. But tonight, as we come into this place in this moment and this time, the Lord wants us to do so with a heart of expectation that he's going to touch tonight and heal tonight and work in our midst tonight. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you, God, that because Jesus, our high priest, left heaven and came to this earth and went to the cross, that he opened up the door into your presence for every single believer in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we want to come boldly to you tonight. We want to sing tonight, Lord, with a boldness in our hearts that you love us, that you are for us, that you are with us. We want to come to you tonight in boldness, with an expectancy that, Lord, you want to touch, that you want to set free that you want to break chains, that, that, Lord, you want to heal tonight because that's who you are. And so, Lord, we bring our hearts to you in this time, and we ask, Lord, that you would just have your way in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen.